Oh, man. You made friends with them. See, friendship is the booze they feed you. Is they want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Right, because we are uncool. Now, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. Then they get the girls, but we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Yeah, because great art is about you know, guilt and longing and, you know, love disguises sex and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, you got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great. Yeah. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't work for shit? I'll fucking take all you want! Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bar tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. はい、はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。はい、はい。は
Uh, so close, yet so far. Uh, everything has been pulled from our beautiful costume shop at the Port Tobacco Players. Mm-hmm. But um, I still have 140 pieces to make. Shit. <laughs> um, so I I have been emailing every single person that I know who has a needle and or thread to, <laughs> to come help. Um, by the time this airs, uh, you know, all of that will be over and done with. We'll probably already be in tech by the time that this comes out. Um, so, you know, don't worry about it, kids, now. Um, but yeah, Tell I, it to volunteer, I, you lazy bastards. Yeah, it's um, it's been a little stressful, but, <laughs> like, and however, the other thing that I've, I've remembered that I've complained about here before is uh, the budget. I mm-hmm. just did the budget, and there are three more things that need to be purchased, and if those three things come in or under budget, I will have $6 left, which means that I am like, fully under budget, so fuck you guys, I did it, boom. Um, and, you're going to go to Starbucks. Exactly, so so if those if those three things are a little bit over budget, I can still fudge with my dry cleaning um, budget, because I was... Uh, just do I'm like $500 for dry cleaning cuz it's usually around like 300 to 400 so I'm like $500 it gives me a nice cushion so if I need to like fudge a little bit with that and I'm like okay this jacket does not need to be dry cleaned mm-hmm. this <laughs> this dress does not need to be dry cleaned we'll just spray that with some Lysol and uh but no I mean I don't I don't do super gross things but anyway um yeah so I'm super proud of myself for like really maintaining budget and um I have another uh, I have another story but I'll tell you guys that off air. I don't feel like I need to drag people's names through the mud. Okay. So, um, I'll tell mm-hmm. you guys about that later, but uh yeah, that's terribly me. dramatic and entertaining. I'm, I'm it, very curious. It is, but I, I don't want to put it on air. It's a little too much. I got gotcha. you. Understood. Um, Instead I'm just going to take a shot of raspberries. 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 Always too much on air. He's all the man you could ever want. We have Adam Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Adam uh, up here in Utah. You can catch my movie reviews on Big Shiny Robot and the Bored as Hell podcast with the ever-wonderful Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. And I think this comes out, is this the week, the day before the election? This is the week after the election, so we have okay. a president right now. So, so President Trump. Oh, God, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> it's taking over the world just in time for my birthday, actually. I think my birthday, this this might come out actually on my birthday. I'm not sure. It's uh, the Monday. I don't know. I can look that up. Yeah, Wait, yeah. What, when's your mm-hmm. birthday, Adam? November 10th. Uh, the Well, no, that's still the same week. Of no, this, the this will come out on the 14th. Yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah, this is this is right after my birthday. So, yay, yeah. yay me. I'm yay, old happy now. Happy birthday, yeah. Adam. Yay. Um, yeah, and I'm in, in the middle of holiday hell. So if you see me, uh, I do s- accept generous donations of vodka. Uh, and I will be most likely having a flask with me at work because that's the only way I will survive. Did I ever show you the uh, the flask that Carrie Jackson gave me and Jess for our, uh, our wedding? I think you did. I, I think I, I, think I, I mentioned them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're Utah-themed. They, they make me super happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a, I've got a also, Utah-themed... And makes me super happy. We have Todd. Hi, this is Todd. But Adam, I must say, your voice sounds very. Yay! Well, you gotta love uh, employee discount and a new microphone. So. <laughs> Yay! So I'm Todd. I'm in Utah. Um, I also want to plug that new Starbucks chili mocha. That thing gets either love it or hate it reviews. I, for one, am in the love it. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I had one this morning. Yes. Love it. You're taking all my money, Starbucks. You bastards. Thank you. And, yep. 
Next. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this week we are doing The Wicked and the Divine, um, which, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's uh, the quickest, uh, briefest intro before we go into our little, uh, our little break, because uh, we're being overly efficient. But that's probably actually a good thing for us right now. Um, oh, we'll is, fix that. Oh yeah, no, we'll, we'll get random as hell. We always do. Uh, but basically, the story is is that there, every ninety years there is a group of gods, which is sort of a mix of all sorts of different religious deities. Um, they are reincarnated every ninety years, but then they only live two uh, for two years. Um, and this is about the incarnation that happens between, I guess, two thousand fourteen, two thousand sixteen. Does that sound about right? I think the first mm-hmm. date in the book is yeah. uh, January first, two thousand fourteen. Um, so it happened a little bit before then. So I'll probably die shortly there before that. But. Um, so it's basically about this group of gods, and this group of gods happens to all be uh, basically uh, British pop stars. British pop star, yeah. And now for sports, fanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. Listen up, sports fans. The thrill of victory. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. And the agony of defeat. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. The human drama of athletic competition. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Rule one, the snap, crackle, pop rule. Whenever anyone snaps their fingers, take a drink. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Rule two, the shape shifter rule. Whenever the Morgan changes forms, you think we could The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Rule three, the inclusive rule. So anytime someone reveals that they are somewhere on the spectrum of LGBT, I think you should, or gender fluid, you should take a shot. Rule four, the I get that reference rule. Every time there is a reference to a song or a band that you catch, take a drink. Rule five, the damn girl rule. Every time you wish your eyeshadow could be as awesome as these people, take a drink. I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a knife in the clink coming up. And our final rule, the did you ever see that scene in Scanners rule. Anytime someone's head explodes, you should finish your drink. You know the drill if you listened to us before. If you haven't listened to us before, this is your first time. This is where we give you a little spot. We're going to pause for a moment. This is where you can press pause. And uh, if you press pause, uh, then you can, uh, you know, read the book if you haven't read it already and uh, rejoin us. Otherwise, you can just keep listening and we're going to get spoiler on it. And uh, so this is sort of your spoiler warning. This is sort of your, hey, this book sounds interesting, which I'll be honest with you. I think this is one of the few books that we're all going to be unanimous, unanimous in agreeing upon. It doesn't happen often. And when it does, it's normally a pretty fucking fantastic book. And I think this is one of those uh, cases. Uh, yes. So um, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend reading this book. We've done some books, I will admit, that were shit, and you're probably better just listening to us whine about them than actually reading them. This is one I think you should read for yourself, um, and so if you have that opportunity to do so, please pause us, and uh, when you come back, we'll be discussing it uh, like crazy. So we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Cool. Uh, so that being said, um, well, I was... Uh, oh, shots! Oh, yeah. Shots, 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 blah, blah, blah. Warning. You're entering spoiler territory. Don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, so we are back. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Glad you came. How you doing? Uh, have a drink. Sit down, down. So... 
uh, Wicked and the Divine. Uh, for those of you who decided not to read it and decided that they wanted to just you know plow through and listen to us, uh, basically the plot in 90 seconds or less. Anybody want to try it? Um, well, he's so, pretty good so, at that. You want to do that? In yeah, sure. Lightning round begins. Now, so uh, like the the first the first couple panels, you're introduced to this random group of people. They all explode, and you're just kind of like, I don't know what the fuck that was. Then you're introduced to oh shit, what's her name? Does anyone remember off the top of their head? Uh, Laura. So you're introduced to Laura, who's a huge super fan of um, one of one of the goddesses. Her name is Amaterasu. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Right up front, there are so many god names in this, I'm gonna fuck them up all yes. over the place, and I apologize and, now. And I believe that she's South American, um, like Aztec or Mayan, I'm not, you know, I didn't... The, the god, not necessarily the character. Yes, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, go look that shit up. But, uh, you, you kind you kind of get the, so, the, you know, she's a big pop star, she, the, Laura then meets Lucy, and then is introduced to, like, some of the other sort of people. There's, um news people who are very critical of this group of pop stars that claim to be gods. You know, then there, there's just, like, craziness. Uh, Lucy, uh, Lucifer, uh, who goes by Lucy, gets put on trial because, um, these people start attacking, uh, the, the gods and, uh, and she snaps her fingers and people's heads explode and she's like well i didn't i didn't do that or, or no oh no she she does kill she them. went to trial but basically in the trial she has to they sit there and say well yes. we're gonna hold the trial for this because well okay so if i can snap my fingers and kill someone then you have to believe in miraculous it, 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 exactly um but then during the trial um the judge's head explodes and they all think that it's lucy lucy uh definitely denies it and then that brings all of the stuff out in the public there's laura's trying to help lucy um you're introduced to kind of the rest of the like not the rest there's still some people that aren't introduced in this book um you're introduced to a bunch of the other gods and how what their feelings are towards what they feel that lucy did or whatever um and then at the end uh, you know we're you know there's this whole trial that goes on um Lucy at the end just decides, you know what, fuck this. I am leaving jail. This is dumb. And um, then, oh god, now I can't remember her name. Is it Ananki, who is my favorite, um, aside from Lucy, because Lucy is pretty badass. Then Ananki kills Lucifer, and um, just to sort of quote subtle scores, and then Laura realizes that she may or may not have Lucifer's powers at the end of. And that's the end of this book. Uh, currently, for those of you who are playing at home, there are four trades out. I think most of us have read at least three of them. Um, mm -hmm. But for today's mm -hmm. discussion, we will try to keep it limited to the first trade. Yeah, um, and the cool thing is, if you've got Comicsology Unlimited, the first trade is part of it. Yep. Uh, yes. Although I will warn you that you will immediately go out and you will buy the next three and read them all within 24 hours, like I did. Yes. So, um, <laughs> well, see, I, so I've, I've ordered the fourth one for my comic book shop, but it's not here yet, so I'm a little bummed out about that. But yeah. All right. Um, so, so an another thing to kind of mm -hmm. know about these these gods and goddesses, which I don't know whether or not we said this yet, but um, so pretty much every is it 95 years 
It's 90 um, years. 90 years. 90, 90 years. Uh, a new set of gods is born through some host body of some yeah. kind. It, mm-hmm. And it may, may or may not be uh, the same gender as the person, or the, the god or goddess. It um, is, is not the same nationality. Um, none of that kind of stuff matters. Yeah. Um, and they are reborn. They live for two years. Their whole mm-hmm. goal is to inspire humanity, I guess, to be better in some way. Yeah. And then they and then they die. So the, at the beginning, the thing that we see where the people are sitting around the table and kill themselves is mm-hmm. um, is that last group of people who needed to die in order for them to be reborn 90 years later. Um, yes. So they are not immortal. They can still die, but they... Um, are, are obviously gods and will come it's, back later. Yeah, the human body like, can die, but the god will come back in 90 years. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like the, the the only thing that can mm-hmm. really kill them are themselves. I mean, like, yes, are each other. Yeah. Lucy's getting, you know, uh, shot at and bullets just bouncing off her. So. Yeah. Um, so in in the book, if I if I'm gonna try to look at this real quick, there the people the gods that are introduced are um, Lucifer. Uh, Ama Stray or whatever her, her name is from um, I'm so glad the, you're trying to do this because I could not yes, do these names um, from, from some kind of South American religion there's mm-hmm. Ananki who I believe is from Greek is Ananki um, technically a, a, a god though isn't she just sort of like the, the well, keeper she, of them and, and, well, yeah, so she's the one who doesn't die she's the one who keeps them hold on let me pull up Wikipedia really quick there you go um, I actually have a uh, Anaki right here. Yeah, that 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 is from Greek, and she's kind of the one. So I, I don't know if it explains in this one like the origins, but she basically gave up her humanity to be immortal, and to be the ones to bring the gods to earth. So she goes out and she finds the human who will be the host for the god, and yes. then does the whole like you know, hey, you will be loved, you will be hated, and in tears you'll be dead. You are Lucifer, Lord of the Pit. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like I guess like the ringleader yes <laughs> yeah. anything, but and she has some of the same powers they do like she can you know she can yeah and she she's supposed to like keep them all in line kind of a thing um and then there's Sakmet from uh from egypt from egypt mm-hmm. uh, wooten from norse mythology uh the morrigan mm-hmm. uh, where's where's that scene where they're all in like the room together oh that's um, in like the second book no, yeah. it's in this book. Uh, no, I'm yeah, saying everything that's in the second too. chapter is when it is where it's at. And then it's, who's who's the who's the guy who fights the war again? Uh, Baphomet. Yeah, Baphomet. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And then Bale. And then yeah, is mm-hmm. it Bale or Ball? Ball. Uh, Ball. Ball. Who's like Kanye? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and one yeah, thing I do like, I mean, just and uh, and is the is the the. Kid with the owl is that Athena? Uh, uh, no, the kid. The kid with the owl is. Uh, he plays an important role later on. Yeah, because well, it's not not in this book that you're really introduced to them. Um, in fact, in fact, I don't believe that anyone even calls them by name in in this. Um, but, but, but anyway, the so to just kind of get into reviews, I like the fact that it's not set up where it's like, oh, here are all 12 people that you need to know. Here are all of their powers. Here's where they're from. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like, okay, we're just going to introduce these people as, as they are. Um, kind of, you know, if you want to dig into this and find out about it later, then, you know, that's up to you. Um, there's mm-hmm. also the the... the 
Ta is it Tara or Tara? I don't know who she, who she is, but apparently she's one of Lucifer's like rivals or whatever in the group, mm -hmm. and she only appears on the cover of issue five in this book. But like, you get the feeling that she and Lucifer don't get along. Yeah. Well, there's, that's kind of the thing. Is like everyone's really bitchy. Like, yes. <laughs> all the gods are really bitchy, and yeah, they're like, all super they really get along. Um, I think that comes with being on the spectrum of LGBT. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is one of our, our culture's defining traits. We'll, we'll sit at home and talk about who's getting fat. Oh, we'll just be big bitches. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, so speaking of, the, like, the spectrum, which is one of our drinking game rules, mm -hmm. so, like, every, everyone is pretty much, like, open sexuality, open gender, just... Hey, I'm. If I feel like doing this, and granted, that kind of makes sense for th beings who are immortal. It's like, well, I'm bored doing this. I'm gonna do something else now. Well, it's also. I mean, it's mm -hmm. their their gender is obviously gonna be fluid because they're not necessarily reincarnated into the same gender all the time. So their identity mm -hmm. for, I, and t I mean, every two years they could be changing gender anyway. So yeah, yeah, the idea of them being completely fluid is completely logical if you really think mm -hmm. about it. Um. Yeah, which, I mean, I think, the other thing I, I, I think on that same scale, which is really kind of nice, um, and one thing I've noticed that in general on this show, everyone seems to appreciate is when you have strong female characters, and there are a yes. lot in this book. Um, yes. You know, it's, I think most of the action in this book happens between female characters. There's like one male character that kind of plays a major role, at least in this first collection mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even even secondary characters who are journalists are female characters in this book. Or, trans um, or transgender. Or so. transgender as well, which mm -hmm. is pretty interesting. The one thing I, I will say, um, for those of you who haven't read it and are maybe after, hopefully after listening to this, are convinced maybe you should, uh, one thing I do like about this book that helps it a little bit, because you, you hear all the names of these gods and you're like, oh, fuck, do I really have to keep track of all these gods? One of the mm -hmm. cool things they do about it, and it's similar to, um, if you've read The Avengers that Hickman did, um, they, they basically have a little, at the beginning of each chapter, they have like a, a, a black page with um, a cir like a bunch of circles around it, and it kind of shows which gods are alive, which gods are dead, like who's in play mm -hmm. um, at that point in time. Because mm -hmm. like in the very first one, you see all the people who are going to die at that moment, and they have skulls and all of them, so they have these different locations. So you also see, um, this, and this leads into future books, is that there are some empty slots, so not all of the gods have been reincarnated at this point in time. Um, they don't all exist, basically. Um, so they're, they're all coming in and eventually doing it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It is now time for another transmission of comic book history with Professor Maya. Wicked in the Divine is next, which I have not read this. I, I, I picked up the first issue when it came out. I did read it, but it was so long ago, I don't remember what it was about. And then I never continued on with it because I suffer from a really serious uh, condition or disease called I read too much shit and have to sometimes not read everything. Uh, and this, this uh, unfortunately fell by the wayside and I actually didn't continue on with it. But both creators on the book, I am huge fans of. We'll start with the artist, Jamie McKelvey. He, uh, he's done, I mean, so many good things. He did, uh, he did Young Avengers with Kieran Gillen, um, a couple of years ago. And, uh, he's done, he's done a bunch of stuff for Marvel recently and a bunch of indie stuff. He did a book called Phonogram, also with Kieran Gillen, uh, which, you know, is very, um, a very musically driven book. It's, uh, if you're, if you're a fan of music, I would recommend picking up Phonogram. It is, uh, it is, it is 
Such a good book. Oh yeah, there's, I believe there's three, three volumes. Speaking of music and comics, we're gonna tangent here for a second. DC just put out this new, they're starting a new line of books called the Young Animals line. And it is being kind of shepherded by Gerard Way uh, from My Chemical Romance. And I think he's writing two or three of the books. Is he also writing Doom Patrol too right now? Doom Patrol is part of the Young Animals line. Uh, it's Doom Patrol, uh, he's writing a book called Cave Carson has a uh, cybernetic eye. Cave Carson was a Silver Age DC character. Other people, there, there's a Shade the Changing Girl, and there's a fourth book that I'm not that I'm blanking on at the moment. But uh, what he, he he said, I believe he said this in New York Comic Con just a couple of weeks ago. He is kind of shepherding this line with music in mind. Like he wants to write music based on all these songs or all these uh, all these comics. Last last week at Comic-Con in the Young Animals panel, he gave the entire crowd a cassette tape with a song based on Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye on it, an original song that he wrote and uh, and did. And uh, it's not available anywhere else and I need to track this tape down because it's going for like 90 bucks on eBay right now. But uh, yeah, he wants to he wants to do like I don't know I, I would guess an album or maybe just individual songs and maybe release them on iTunes. I don't know. Uh, but based off of these young animals books that he's doing, the, the song is called into the cave. We wander jumping back to, pho uh, not phonogram, wicked and divine, Kieran Gillen, Jamie McKelvey, uh, Kieran Gillen. Um, he's a wonderful writer. He's, he's done a bunch of stuff for Marvel in recent years, like, uh, Loki he did. And, uh, he did, uh, a bunch of Journey into Mystery and then like the Thor universe he did uh, like he wrote uh, when Loki was a kid um, he's, he did Iron Man he had a pretty good run on Iron Man about uh, 30 issues or so where we find out uh, it's because of him uh, we find out that Tony Stark was adopted that uh, that Maria and Howard Stark were not his real parents and we're actually in the in the in the Bendis series going on right now figuring out who his biological parents were the thing I want to talk about most that he's done recently that we haven't already mentioned is he's been doing the Darth Vader comic for Marvel. It's so good. And uh, that just wrapped up this week. But uh, they just announced that he's not done with Star Wars yet. He's going to keep on writing. Uh, there there's a, there were three uh, supporting characters in the Darth Vader book. Uh, Dr. Aphra. Um, and I can't remember their names, but the, the, there was a, uh, uh, there was a, the murder droids. There's a protocol droid and an R2 unit that are basically like asshole assassin droids and, uh, and hilarious. Everything that R2-D2 and C-3PO are, they are not. Um, but they're, they're getting their own book, uh, starting in December. So if you want to check out other stuff by Kieran Gillen and you love the Star Wars, get, pick up Darth Vader and, uh, and Dr. Aphra coming up here in a couple months. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Uh, the one thing I think is interesting and I kind of want to get people's take about... Actually, before we do that, before we get too far, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up my cocktail because it sort of uh, ties into uh, Lucy, who is the god who is the main character of this book and unfortunately dies in this book, which bums me out because I actually like the character of Lucifer in this book. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm a Satan worshiper like Adam, uh, at least according to the end hey, of his uh, other podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And have a lovely afternoon. Uh, that's for you, Adam. Um, but uh, so my drink recipe, I I tend to, uh, as those of you who've heard the show, I tend towards uh, sort of more classic cocktails. And so this is a, a book from uh, from Trader's book, uh, Trader Vic's book in 1946. This is the El Diablo cocktail, um, 
and I've tried it a couple different ways. I'm gonna give you the recipe that I think probably will work best for you. It mm -hmm. is one and a half ounces of tequila. It's a half ounce of creme de cassis, um, and it's one lime wedge, and then you top it off with ginger beer. So basically you're combining the tequila and creme de cassis with ice, you shake it, you strain it, um, you top with ginger beer, and then you squeeze the lime in the wedge, and then garnish. I tried it, there's another recipe out there with like half an ounce of lime juice. It was a little too heavy on the lime. Full disclosure, you kind of have to be in tequila to do this. And so part of the reason, A, because it has to do with the devil, that's why I picked it. But the other thing is, from a personal level, this is the last drink I drank before I got engaged to uh, my wife. Mm. And uh, I went to, um, I was at Bourbon and Branch, which is a speakeasy we've discussed in previous episodes up in San Francisco. And I uh, went to a bartender named Eddie, who is actually from, he's a black guy from like Idaho by way of Salt Lake City, which I'm like, and then was out in San Francisco. I'm like, how the hell did you even exist in those worlds? But, so of course I made the mistake of saying, you know, he's like, what do you want to drink? And I was like, well, I love ginger beer flavored. I typically don't do well with tequila. And the thing about saying I don't do well with tequila is sometimes bartenders decide, oh, I can prove that tequila is good, to, good for you. In this mm -hmm. circumstance, it did not work out for me. Uh, I was thinking <laughs> my brains out. Now, granted, a fair amount of that was probably nervous because I was proposing the next day, but that night I puked my ever-loving brains out. It was also part of a long line of beverages that I had that evening. So don't let that sway you. If you're into tequila, though, this might be a good choice for you, but uh, that is my cocktail for the week, the El Diablo. Um, Todd, do you have a cocktail you would like to throw at us? Because I think yours is also Lucifer-themed. I think that will be a theme of today. Mine is called right. the uh, Lucifer Rising, which okay. is an interesting thing with it. Yeah. Um, so I made this guy this week, and it was powerful stuff, and it is definitely <laughs> an acquired taste. But what an it is... An acquired taste, meaning spirit forward? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's one part tequila, one part vodka, one part Grand Marnier. Then you put a little bit of orange juice in and a dash of tomato juice. And then you add some dry sherry, a quarter teaspoon of cinnamon, and a dash of Tabasco sauce. Kind of like a hybrid of a Bloody Mary and a Long Island iced tea. It is. Now you put that in a ice shaker and you shake it up and you put it in a glass of ice. But then you put a chili pepper on top of it as the garnish. Then as soon as you finish the drink, you need to um, eat that chili pepper straight on. And it's kind of my kind of drink, but be prepared. Be prepared? Yeah, sounds sounds like, I, yeah. I came across that one because I also, as someone who really enjoyed this <laughs> which apparently we all really did. Yeah. Um, hey, my cocktail is called, is called Lucifer's Lane, uh -huh. uh, which I guess just means follow in the steps of Lucifer. And so it's very much similar uh, half ounce of Everclear, an ounce of Bacardi 151, an ounce of Canadian whiskey, one and a half ounces of gold tequila, one ounce of white Sambuca, one ounce of Devil Springs vodka, Holy and shit. one and a half ounces of Jägermeister. Shake oh. all that up. You shake all that up, and then you pour it into five shot glasses. It, it says it makes five to seven shots. Now, are you supposed um, to drink that as one person, or are you supposed to share that with no, five No, 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 no. It's, it's shots. So every, <laughs> everyone gets a taste of following Lucifer's path and um, so yeah, is that like a, a, hey follow Lucifer's path and bring a friend because like when you sent me that recipe I was like are you supposed to line these up and then just like start going down yes, the line just you by yourself <laughs> like, oh, that, 
That will take you to Lucifer's door, I hear it. No, no, uh, I believe you're supposed to share with friends, because, uh, you know, one of us, one who of wants us. to follow Satan all by themselves? For me. Uh, um, I don't want to go to heaven, don't want to know we'll be there. But, uh, yeah, that, it just, it sounds more like just death in a, in a yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. That's well, Adam, awesome. so, uh, mine actually, yeah, yeah, we went with the whole, uh, Lucy theme, so mine is just called the Lucy, and uh, we've, we've got a distillery up here that uh, that makes Five Wives Vodka, and they actually kind of got in trouble, awesome I think. name, by the way. <laughs> I've got a bottle of that. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they got in trouble up in, I think it was Idaho, because the, the label on it is five women kind of dressed up like, you know, sister wives, uh, and, oh, all of them, and all of them are, uh, they have, they're holding a strategically placed kitty cat. Um, I'll let you guess where they're holding it. And, yeah, they kind of got in trouble for that. But they they have uh, their main vodka, which is actually really good. But they also have a heavenly vanilla custard vodka and a sinfully cinnamon vodka. So mm. this one's pretty easy. You just take, um, you can, if you're doing it for multiple people, you would do a shot of each over ice, shake it really well, strain, and you've got a, uh, a sinfully sweet uh, shot. So, oh. much mm. like Lucy herself. That's true. And I... Yeah. I, I stole Adam's title. Well, I didn't steal Adam's title. We have a guest bartender this week, um, and I'll be honest with you, I have tasted these beverages. They are amazing. They are called The Wicked and the Divine, um, and I can't tell you what the recipe is right now because I've recorded it, um, and uh, and our, our lovely bartender has told us what it is, but he was shy at the time, and I haven't recorded his interview yet. So hopefully I will have a full <laughs> interview, and I'll put it in. But so we'll throw to that right now. So we have a guest bartender. Um, also from a, uh, a very beloved bar of mine, uh, he is also from... The uh, uh, the cellar bar in Fullerton. Now for a cocktail from someone who actually knows what they are talking about. Oh, uh, you folks have nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. We are happy to welcome this week's guest bartender, James, from the Cellar Spirit Room in Fullerton, California. Your skills, after all, are legend. How many do you have? He does what? Come on, Doc. There's a fella that can't hold his liquor. This interview was recorded in front of a live, although drunk, bar audience. Yeah, so the Wicked and the Divine is two shots. Okay. Uh, the Wicked is St. Elizabeth's Allspice Dram, a genipede called Ex Gratia, which has a lot of wormwood content and uh, what's called Chinese black spice. Okay. Uh, and then uh, dark rum, gossip. Okay. okay. And the Divine, oh, there's also a maraschino cherry at the bottom there. Okay. A little bit of Wicked. Yeah. It's kind of nice. I gotcha. I guess. <laughs> and then the, uh, the Divine is a really simple combination. Uh, it is Giffards or Giffards uh, vanilla de Madagascar uh, and Luxardo maraschino cherry liqueur with an absolute Okay. Uh, I think you get the idea. Okay. That's fantastic. Dark and light. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you have like actual? Isn't that amazing? Can I do like actual ingredients, like like how many ounces of whatever, yes. so I can write out? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, um, for the Wicked, it's a half ounce of ex gratia, okay. a half ounce of Gosling's dark rum, okay. and a quarter ounce of St. Elizabeth's allspice dram. Okay. For the divine, uh, it is a half ounce of uh, 
maraschino cherry liqueur, okay. and three quarters ounce of the vanilla de Madagascar by Jafar. Okay. Uh, and then an absolute rinse. We're using okay. the Kugler. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> okay, so. So the pungency. Yeah. So the pungency that's brought out by like ex gratia, right? Um, in the wicked, um, is kind of complemented in a way by the luxardo that's in the divine, right? Yeah, of course. Um, so there need to be some sort of carryover because the ex gratia has a very high wormwood content, mm -hmm. and uh, also to help that transition was the absinthe rinse, mm -hmm. which obviously has wormwood and anise, and yeah. even the um, even the Wicked has somewhat of an anise characteristic as well. Gotcha. So I wanted them to be related. <laughs> but different at the same time. Oh, of course, yeah. And the wicked to actually be kind of wicked, yeah. and the divine to actually taste kind of divine. Yeah. Which is where the vanilla comes into play. Oh, of too. course. <laughs> That's fantastic. We will say that, I mean, I, I will say that it, it it's a beautiful thing because it's, uh, it's two shots. One of them's red and one of them's blue. And they pair together so, like, I mean, it's a little bit more than a shot, so it's for like two mini cocktails, and you can drink back, both of them back and forth, and the flavors combine and play with each other in a really great way. It is, uh, it is a fantastically fun uh, combination of drinks, actually. And uh, if you can make it at home, uh, which, if I remember correctly, the the, the stuff isn't that terrible, um, but uh, but it's it's great stuff. So I highly recommend all of that. Um, that being said, oh, I, actually, and there was something I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit uh, before we got too much into reviews because uh, I mean, we've kind of covered the um, the nature of the book and we'll get into reviews and more discussion of that but uh, one of the things I thought was interesting about it is how much of this deals with uh, musicians and pop stars and um, and I was kind of curious uh, one of the things I do find interesting about this book is it actually treats fandom uh, at least the main character um, it's uh, Laura's Laura. fandom mm -hmm. um, it, it treats her fairly well. Doesn't make her sound crazy, you know. I mean, it, cause like sometimes, a lot of times, you see fans as treated as like kind of crazy. And I'll be honest, I've worked on a, a show with some very devoted fans, and some of them were great, and some of them were crazy. Um, and so I was just kind of curious about, uh, since I mean, we're all here, we're all geeks, we're all fans of podcasts. Has anyone really gone like so crazy fandom to even the level of Laura in this book? Um, for anything out there. I mean, it doesn't have necessarily be music or anything like that, but I'm just kind of curious if anyone's had that experience of being that level of fan. I thought about having Carrie Jackson sign my tip, but I didn't have enough <laughs> guts for that. That, I mean, was really, that was really funny when that happened, by the way. <laughs> the, the, the tit signing at, uh, at Club 50 West. Yeah, that yes. was fun. Sorry, Q, you were interrupted. Um, oh, no, it's it's fine. We, <laughs> we all know that I don't talk enough on this podcast. <laughs> um, I was going to say, so obviously the parallel here in this book is that we make our pop stars or pop culture icons mm -hmm. our gods. Like, obviously yeah. that's sort of the idea here. So that's why this iteration of gods came back as pop stars, because those yeah. are the people that the kids look up to anyway. So, duh makes sense yeah. um but it's for me personally I, I mean i'm pretty crazy as we know i even have papers that say <laughs> that i am mm -hmm. um, but i but i have never gone like super crazy oh excuse me sorry the beer made me burp Ooh, it tastes <laughs> like raspberries um, raspberries. Um, I mean, I guess like the craziest kind of fan stuff that I do is cosplay things. Uh, you know, yeah. make costumes, especially for like Z-list, no tier 
<laughs> characters yeah. as I am right now. I mean, so I guess like that's the craziest thing that I guess I would I would do because like even when I go to concerts for for people that I, that I idolize, and even though I'm oh my god super excited about Cher coming to DC for like three months. Um, but oh my god, those tickets are so expensive. Um, but, but I'm going, duh. Um, yeah. Like aside aside from spending way too much money on concert tickets for some of my pop idols, I've never gone to, like super crazy lengths. I mean, there was one. Okay, so I'll I'll tell the story, which I guess is like sort of the next level of crazy. So. Me and my friends were are huge fans of Monique, and this was back when Monique had just won an Oscar. You know, she you know she had her own talk show, so she was like really big there in like the mid two thousands for a while. Um, so my friend Sean was flying home to DC, and this was when we lived in um, in the Northern Virginia, like literally ten minutes from Dallas Airport. Like, um, you know how you usually have to get to an airport like in a good hour before you need yeah. to go. Like, you could literally live ten minutes before that hour and be at the in mm-hmm. you know get in line and you'd be totally fine. Yeah, like um, if you're driving I, to Dallas, it was like the airport, and then the next exit was Q's house. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. And so like when I used to travel to North Carolina all the time, it was I literally it took a half an hour for me to get checked in and on the flight. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, um, so it was, so Sean was, um, texted us, uh, me and Logan saying that he was, he was on his way home from California from a work thing. And, um, and we're like, oh, okay. And then he texted us 10 minutes later when he got on the airplane, he was like, oh my God, you guys. So you know how we're going to the Monique show this weekend. Guess who's on the fucking plane. And we were like, what? And he was like, Monique, and sent us a picture. You know, like one of those, like, sneaky, hey, I got you, girl. Yeah. And he was, and he was like, Monique's on, on the flight. So in six hours, like, Monique's going to get off the plane with me. So, <laughs> so Logan and I, of course, were like, so we made her, like, a gift basket. We put some waffles in there, so lots of candy. Um... You know, all just all kinds of random shit. Because also, we're we were, at the time we were drunk all the time and super <laughs> random. Yeah, I remember. So, I, I had a St. Patrick's Day with you guys. It was entertaining. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> where we where we forced you to make out with some random girl. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> you didn't force me to. It just kind of ended up happening. No, that's a whole other different story. Let, you'll, you'll tell your story first. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I'm, I have tangent stories. They all tangent. Um, so yeah, we, anyway, we know that girl likes her snacks. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, so we so we got to the airport and um, so you know we're waiting patiently for like people to get out of the out of the um, trolley because uh, Dulles has all kinds of trolleys. And so Sean came out like kind of first, and he was just like, so you know, obviously she has like an entourage, so like she's gonna wait till the end for all of them to get off together. Yeah. And we were like, okay, so we just sat there very patiently and and when and when she started coming out, like at first we were just like, oh, okay, like this is weird. Like you know what I mean? Cuz yeah. like as, as someone who does theater and knows like semi famous people, like I feel yeah. that it's weird to be like, hi, I feel like I know you. Like give me a hug yeah. and take a picture. So and especially when it's like not a meet and greet sort of situation where it is like she, you know, she's just a, a woman who has been on an airplane for 6 hours and probably just wants to leave her sunglasses on at seven o'clock at night and you yeah. know not see anyone but but she kind of noticed us like kind of and she was like oh hello and so we said oh my god hi we love you um and she's like oh babies come here and it was very sweet and we took pictures with her we so the best part was when we gave her the bag she like mm-hmm. just kind of oh thank you so much she just handed it to one of her people like uh-huh. she didn't even like open it she was like, just handed it <laughs> to somebody she took pictures of all the one thing that was very lovely. So it turned out that that weekend I couldn't go to the Monique show because I um, 
I had a show going on, and I totally forgot about the fact that we were going to see Monique. Um, but Logan and Sean still went, and um, that was obvi- so. It was obviously before uh, you know marriage equality was passed. And she said, "I don't know what's wrong with you. What, what's wrong with you people in D.C.? But gays should get married. If any gay is in this place right now, I will marry you on stage." And Logan and Sean ran up real quick, and Logan mm-hmm. with his seven foot tall ass got up on yeah. that stage, and she married them. <laughs> Anyway, so it was, it was very cool, but that's probably like the craziest sort of fan thing that I've ever done. Yeah, like and like, I mean, it's it was interesting because like, I mean, I it's hard to, to tell the story or these stories without revealing where I work. But basically, I worked with um, uh, a show that had a cover band, and people treated them like they were a fucking real band, and it's like they, they're not. <laughs> They're not like they're playing songs you know because other people made them fucking famous, right? And so, like, and, and so what ended up happening is, is the place that I work, they canceled the show, and they end up doing a bunch of side projects, and they still are, and you know, and that's fine, and that's great. But so, like, for what, like, after they'd like done a little side gig, I kind of decided, I'm like, oh well, I'll go check out the side gig, and all of a sudden, all the crazy fans who were following them even after the show was canceled at the location I was at are showing up to these things and now they're like all of a sudden I'm one of them because I'm hanging I'm like I just came to support my friends man like you know it's like you're in theater like a friend of yours is doing a show if you can make it you you throw some money down and you go see their show you know mm-hmm. and so I'm just kind of doing that and so it's like all these, like it was just really weird because like I was like one of them for a little while and I was like uh, yeah no I'm not like I'm just I'm just here, like, but it is strange, like, as Q said, being friends with people who are semi-famous, um, is, like, you sit there and you're hanging out with them, and all of a sudden people recognize them, and are like, like, I'm just sitting there having a drink with a buddy of mine, and all of a sudden people wanted their autograph, and, like, frankly, I just laughed my ass off at them. Um, the other one I did was, uh, if you're really into heavy metal, um, my, my brother-in-law was a, uh, was a metal singer, and so we went and saw his show one day. I never actually saw a show. He just happened to be playing. We hung out outside. And, talked to him. and so we're sitting there just chatting, and it's like, I mean, it's my brother-in-law. We're just talking to him like you would your brother-in-law, but people keep coming up and asking for autographs, and we're just giving him merciless amounts of shit. Like, oh, can we have your autograph? And he's just like, look, like, shut up. Like, you try to be all cool <laughs> with, the, with the guests, and then as soon as like we'd give him shit, he'd just like, get embarrassed. And so, like, it was really a strange, strange dynamic, uh, but very, very entertaining. Um, so that being said, I had another poll question I kind of wanted to ask everybody just because I, as I was reading this, I want to think about it. Um, and also, I think I partially stole this from, uh, from uh, I was listening to the podcast of uh, uh, Radio From Hell. So Adam, you may have heard this uh, this question happen anyway. But I was curious as to, I want to go around with everybody and find out their best concert experience, their worst concert experience, and the first concert they went to, just because there's so much that deals with music in here. I was kind of curious to get everyone's kind of perspective on that. Um, and I will start out by saying uh, my first concert experience I'm going to count this concert I went to with Todd because it's the first time I actually bought the tickets and mm-hmm. drove my ass there Todd and I went and saw Metallica um, in Weber uh, Weber State um, and that probably also would count constitute one of my best concerts as well um, mm-hmm. and it's a terrible thing to do to someone to let them see Metallica first because like, like the music or not they put on a fucking crazy show like it's a it's a big fun crazy crazy show um, and they are amazing. So they, that's what I'm going to count as my first. Um, as far as... I've, and I've seen a lot of really great um, acts, a lot of really fun, cool shows. So it's kind of hard for me to say, like, what is my favorite. But I will say, one of the ones I'm going to to throw out there as probably one of my favorite shows I've ever seen is a band that I think has since broken up, unfortunately, called Foxy Shazam, um, which they were insane. They were amazing in the most fun way. The lead singer is probably the closest to a modern incarnation of uh, 
Pretty Mercury I've ever seen on stage. Uh, even like with the weird little mustache and stuff like that. And for those of you who don't know Foxy Shazam's music, um, if you've heard the song Downtown from Macklemore, the girl you hear singing the chorus, that's actually the lead singer of Foxy Shazam, and it's a dude. Um, but uh, they were just their fun. Like the one, the crazy thing is they have like this keyboard player who has like a goatee who looks like he could be in uh, System of a Down. He, the first time I saw them, he ended up crowd surfing just his keyboard. So he had the crowd on the front row hold his keyboard while he played it. The second time I saw them, he was crowd surfing as well. So he spread out like Superman with his hands out in front of him. And he's playing the keys while his keyboard is crowd surfing as well. It was insane. It was crazy, but super amount of fun. Um, if they ever get back together and they start touring again, by all means, go see Foxy Shazam. It is well worth whatever the ticket price is. They are fun as hell. Um... That being said, I've also seen some really, really shitty, shitty concerts. Um, and I'm trying to think of a big name one that I've seen that was terrible. Uh, Blink-182. Blink-182 was not good live when I saw them. I will say they were on a festival show. So it's not their standard sound guy and that kind of stuff, but they were pretty terrible. Um, well, it's because Tom couldn't can't sing. And the, uh, yeah. Mark was decent enough, and I'm actually interested... To- they came here recently, and I I was working until I didn't see them. But uh, their other singer now it's is the a, dude it's a um, uh, alkaline trio. It's their yeah, singer. So it's I, I'm excited to see them live now because Mark, you know, can carry a tune, and uh, it's funny you mention that because that's when we get to meet. That's one of my first, my first, and my best show was the Pop Disaster Tour, which was Jimmy World, Green Day, and uh, Blink. That's a fucking good show, man! Right there, that's a good, that is a good show. Yeah. Um, well, cool then. So, Adam, that's your first one. We'll carry on, then I'll come back to worst when I think of it. Yeah, um, but, but before we go on, I just want to correct myself so I don't sound like a complete and sensitive asshole. But uh-huh. Amaterasu is actually Japanese, not South American. Okay. I just, I just want to say that out loud before. <laughs> well, they all look the same. <laughs> all, all of them do. All people look the same. The same. <laughs> Okay. Let's be honest. When when I mean, there are no other social cl- clues other than the name. Like you have to go, like, which is a fun thing about this book is you do have to go do that research and, if you and want I, to know And more. I literally, while Brian was talking, because you know, I, I treat it like theater where it's bullshit, bullshit, my line. Okay, bullshit, bullshit, Adam's line. Oh, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, the Pop Disaster Tour was my first real concert, and for me, actually, it was my my. Uh, best concert too because we so back when the warehouse was around it sold it sold CDs and tapes if you remember that kids oh yeah um, we the day the tickets went on tour was they were at the Coors Amphitheater but we got in line at 6am to camp out because you didn't go online and buy tickets you actually had to go to a, an actual box office and get them so we camped out at 6am to when they opened up at 9 and we happened to know the guy who was working, so he let us in like at 8.55, so we ordered our tickets right at 9, and we had pit tickets, so it was perfect. The, the, the little team opera girls behind us who were there to see Blink-182 bought tickets literally two minutes after we did, and they got long. I mean, it sold out <laughs> that fast. It was a you know crazy show. So we're, de- we're there, and we get there early, and we're in the pit, and Jimmy E. World comes up, and they had just... Uh, released their first single that people started, you know, the middle, the one mm-hmm. people started to know him from. Yeah. We were big fans, so we were singing along with every single song. And afterwards, uh, the main uh, the lead singer was like, hey, do you guys want to come backstage? And I'm a dumbass, and my fucking dumbass said, oh no, I'm here to see Green Day, I'll, I'll see you later. What, 
the fuck was wrong with me? I don't know. But do you want to go meet Green Day or do you <laughs> Right? So, yeah, again, that was me being stupid. Um, Green Day is my absolute favorite band, and I, I'm really sad that they're not touring uh, through Salt Lake. Because it's really fun to watch all the little Mormon kids sing along to American Idiot and not realize it's them that they're singing about. So, um, but yeah, so that was that was an absolutely fantastic concert. Uh, as far as the worst one, uh, it's kind of hard to say because uh, I would say that my worst experience. So we used to go to hang out with uh, my father-in-law in Austin for Austin City Limits, which is now it takes place over two weeks, but it's a three-day music fest. There's hundreds and hundreds of bands um, they, and they get a lot of people who you've, you've never heard of who then later on became big but the, the last the second to last night a couple of years when we went last time uh, Stevie Wonder played and it was fantastic he did a great I've, job I've worked with him twice he's awesome yeah he was. it was really cool the reason why I'll say it was like the worst experience was because it's there was one last show so you've got a hundred thousand people trying to crowd in and we actually got there early set up lawn chairs and kind of camped out under this tree and people were just shoving us and like I, I literally got stepped on i'm like how I, i'm a big dude in a chair how do the fuck do you step on me yeah so we actually ended up leaving halfway through just because it was just too crowded and people were just being assholes um he sounded great and he was amazing but it just the experience itself was just so bad because there were so many people there okay so side note and then i remembered my worst experience so i will mm-hmm. i will let you know side note on stevie wonder so we were doing stevie wonder where i work and there was a new kid who was annoying the living shit out of us. So we sent him on a wild goose chase for about three hours looking for a music stand so Stevie Wonder could read music in his, uh, in his dressing room. Um, he was looking for hours, and we were terrible, terrible people, but that's okay. Um, my worst concert is kind of twofold, and while I think about it, I realize what it was. So basically, my worst band I've ever seen live, and I've seen them live twice, is Everclear. Um, Todd and I went and saw um, most of the concerts I've gone. Well, not I mean a lot of the concerts I've gone to, especially in Utah, we're, we're, we're with Todd. Yeah, we've gone to see him with the Snowcore tour, which I mean, Soul Coughing was on that tour and was amazing. Um, DJ Spooky was an DJ act. Spooky was okay, and then Red Man from Wu Tang Clan. So Todd <laughs> and I, white kids, Todd and I have seen Red Man in concert. Okay, kids, just let that sink in for a second. Um, but so I, we saw Everclear, and it was right when So Much for the Afterglow came out. They were big and they're 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 popular, whatever, and they were pretty awful like they really were really bad so um about 2010 probably um a buddy of mine uh does a lot of promoting gigs out here in uh in uh in california um in fact his name is larry he does a promotion for a thing that is awesome if you're in southern california watch out for um there's an arcade here called a 2084 where basically it's a vintage arcade and he does like a 80s night all the time and they basically like like 10 bucks to get in you can play all the 80s video games arcade games you want for like a few hours it's great um i I played uh uh rampage for like two hours the other day it was great anyway so he because he did stuff with house of blues he had free tickets so we went to see and i was like oh okay well I was like, it's Everclear. I'm like, we'll see what, like, 10 years did the band. They surely got better, right? So on the original album, there were three people. When Mm -hmm. we saw them um, in Salt Lake on the Snowcore tour, there were six people in the band. Um, They had an extra guitarist and a keyboard, like, two keyboard players or something like that. Mm -hmm. So when I saw them, there were, like, 12 people on stage, right? And they were fucking awful. Like, so bad (laughs) that, like, I had free tickets and I lasted two songs. I was like... Okay, I'm good. We're out. We had more fun talking to the opener, like at the bar after the show. Like the opening act was some little-known band from Florida. I don't know if they ever really made it, but they were 
they were thrilled to be touring, you know, all the House of Blues, and they were touring with Everclear. So, like, good for them. They were chasing their dream. They're doing whatever. But we ended up like talking to the opener in the bar. That was more fun. Like, I could. They were so bad. So, like, Everclear as a live band sucks. Like, just sucks. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Todd or Q, who wants to go next? I'll go. Okay. You know, first major concert, Brian was there. What he fails to mention is that also uh, Jerry Cantrell and Days of the New was the opening group. Yeah, but you didn't want to see them, so you made sure we showed up late, you son of a bitch. We saw Jerry Cantrell. We skipped Days of the New. I know, and I wanted to see Days of the New. I really did. Your brother was so pissed. It was really funny. It was. (laughs) And, you know, we saw a lot of titties that night. We did. That was a good time. Yeah. And the other amazing thing with that first concert is they had GA all cordoned off and everyone was in the stands. But And I rarely ever see this happen to begin. About halfway through the show, all of Vince staff just kind of went, fuck it. Yeah. And they just opened it up and everything was a free-for-all. Yeah. So that show was awesome. They played forever. I lost my voice for a few days. I, I crowd too. surfed. It yeah. was you know, we were just young, stupid. This is our first major concert. The bar was really high. The only time I've ever crowd surfed was at that show. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the only time I've ever crowd surfed. It was fun. It was great. I, I did it a few times. I haven't done it lately. I haven't felt like getting sexually assaulted in the recent years, but maybe I'm missing out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's what fisting is like. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hey, I actually got I, my girlfriend to do crowd surfing once. Amy, I'm sorry, and I love you. Girlfriend <laughs> now wife might have. I, uh, yes. I, 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 I just remember something. Um, yeah. I used to work for USANA way back in the day, and they, uh, they've got the USANA Amphitheater out in West Valley, and because I worked there, I would always get free tickets to shows. So it was lawn, but, I mean, who cared? It was free. Mm-hmm. So my second date with Eddie um, <coughs> was the Cindy Lauper True Colors Tour, and she was headlining with a razor, and uh, it was Belinda Carlisle, not Blondie, but just Belinda, uh, not Belinda Carlisle, uh, what's her name? Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry, thank you. Debbie Harry's doing her own uh, solo stuff, and the Dresden Dolls opened up. And that concert was absolutely fucking fantastic. Uh, Margaret Cho was the master of ceremonies. Mm-hmm. She came out and sang. I, her I went to that my... tour in D.C. too. Oh, you did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was so good. It was so well done. Um, so, it's, yeah, that's, I'd have to say that one probably ties with um, with my best concert experience. Except mm-hmm. for the fact that uh, that was when Eddie and I decided to... Uh, let this miserable lesbian bitch move in with us, and that was horrible. My dear, so. <laughs> <laughs> she was crazy. We had to call the cops in order to get her evicted. So that was fun. Wow. Oh yeah. See, one of my favorite concert experiences, I had seen the band The Heavy, and if you guys don't know them, you should. They're great. In Salt Lake, they had come through, and there was only like 50 people showed up. So if anyone's familiar within the venue, they've got a smaller stage, and. Mm-hmm. Wallpaper opened for them, and then it was those guys. But there's only about 50 people in the crowd, and they fucking just rocked it anyways. But where it leads to is I had another buddy call in all of his friends for uh, all of his I need your help for life card. And I ended up driving a moving truck to Denver to help him move and then pay for (laughs) my own ticket home because he needed the help. 
But that night, the Heavy were only playing three concerts in North America that year, and Denver was one of them. So I informed him, after helping him move, that I'm taking his car and I'm going to the concert, his wife be damned. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... I was there watching the opening band, and the opening band was fine. Then I see the lead singer come out, and I had the opportunity. I bought him a drink. Says, "Dude, I saw you when you played Salt Lake last year." He's like, "Fuck, man, no one was there." (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up having a drink with um, the lead singer of the Heavy, real cool guy. And what always amazes me is how tiny these performers are often are. Yeah. So I'm not a huge dude, but I sure felt like a giant after talking with him. The, the lead singer of the Disturbed of Disturbed is like tiny. Just did a music video for them. Um, if you go on YouTube and look up the music video for uh, Psycho, um, my uh, my wife worked on that music video anyway. But he's notoriously very very short. Show is the lead singer of Monster Magnet. I mean, oh really? Yeah, he like came up to my nipple and he was about done. They're all so little. Oh, so little. Oh, the pocket so size. Little. <laughs> Do you know yes. who uh, who also played in the? Because in, in the venue is a really small, like kind of indie place. Mm-hmm. But uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, but uh, do you know who uh, played there before her first her first album dropped? Mm-hmm. Lady Gaga. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. And I remember I just I heard the one song "Just Dance." That was you know her first big single, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then next time she came around, she was way popular. Played the ESA, and tickets were like a thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking speaking of Gaga. Uh, when uh, the first concert I saw her in, so I literally remember her first album, like kind of or her first single dropping, and then she was on like the logos first award show, which nobody cares about, and, it, and so <laughs> it was just like okay, so she's just gonna be like this kind of gay pop artist that you know no one's gonna hear about, like you know countless others before her, um, you know, because who? Uh, I'm, now I'm just trying to think like, because like who knows the gossip? Nobody. Um, but anyway, I know the gossip. So, uh, that's because you're gay. Um, I am. <laughs> so anyway, the I just didn't get enough protein in my diet. The uh, you weren't <laughs> breastfed, and yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so the first concert tickets that I bought for her, she played in Richmond, Virginia, at like the super small place near the college there, and like it was, we bought tickets that were like so close, like I we could literally just be like, oh hey Gaga, what's up. And, but by the time the concert came around, Gaga was like the the her second EP, like the the um oh what the monster whatever the monster. Yeah, oh, no, fa- yeah, 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 Fame Monster, the the little mm-hmm. EP that came out with like about eight songs on it or whatever. So that had li- literally just been released. So she was like exploding with like bad romance and all of that kind of stuff. And so that concert was craziness. But th- and then the next time that I saw her, it was at you know in DC at the Verizon Center, which is you know a gigantic venue. Um, mm-hmm. But so the very first concert I ever went to, um, Princess Pangela, who I believe Brian remembers. I love um, Princess Pangela. Yes, Princess Pangela took me to, I still want to call it the HF Festival, but it's whatever the radio station band festival was. In, in DC, it's called the HF Festival, uh, hosted by WHFS, which is like oh, the was big it rock Bash? station. Was it the big ass show? Yes. So it's whatever okay. that was. So it was my first semester of college. I literally was, I think it was like in August, so I had moved to Utah in June. Um, okay. And, uh, or maybe it was in like early September. But anyway, that was the very first show I went to. Harvey Danger. Oh my the, god. Black <laughs> Pulsita was one of the uh, people yeah. there. Um, 
there are some other people that like if someone were to like name bands I would probably be like oh yeah I think I saw them yeah I think I saw them yeah. but like uh, for me I don't know who they are because you know I don't listen to that's that not, it's, not, it's not your gig yeah I get yeah, that. It's, it's, it's just not my thing and um but anyway that was the very first concert I ever went to um it was eh I, I honestly was just like I need to make a friend I need to go to yeah. you know go do these things sure I'll go with Angela to this thing um, well that would have been shortly thereafter that I went to Good Charlotte with you yes so then yeah and so then we started going to Good Charlotte I went to Good Charlotte uh, I've been to like three or four of their shows but anyway my mm-hmm. most favorite co- well there's there's a couple of different levels here my most favorite concert um and I only say most favorite because it was my first one, was my first Madonna show I I, I went to. Um, it was the Sticky and Sweet Tour. And even though I had fucking nosebleed seats, I remember having a small panic attack when the intro music came on, knowing that Madonna was about to arise, being like, I'm breathing the same air as Madonna. <laughs> like, that literally came over me. But I started having a panic attack, and my best friend Jen was with me, and she and I had to hold hands, but eventually she had to let go of my hand. She's like, you're going to break my thumb. Yeah. Um, the poor lesbian <laughs> sitting next to me. Because when I get excited, so if you ever go see a movie or a concert or whatever, when I get excited, I hit people. Like, yeah. I slap people. I had bruises. Yes, yes, which Brian knows about. And so I'd, so I'd already, like, hurt Jen's hand, so I started slapping this lesbian on the leg next to me. But she was very lovely, and she was like, honey, I understand. I understand. But I was just so excited. So um, I, I wear a lot of rings, for those of you who know me in person. I wear um, a lot of jewelry. And I literally broke two of my rings because I was clapping so hard at that show. Um, my hands hurt for a whole day afterwards. Um, but we, me and me and my friends, Mel, um, me and Jen, we joined our friend Melanie and um, her husband and some other friends of theirs um, and went and saw Madonna in Atlantic City. So also afterwards, I was on such a high. We drank so much after the thing. I remember walking around barefoot the casino just drinking a bottle of champagne. Like, just <laughs> carrying a bottle of champagne. Yeah, like, like you do. Madonna! <laughs> <laughs> Jen that night kept drinking um, Jaeger and some other oh. alcohol out of a coffee cup. And oh, would just, God. like, fill it up with, like, random liquors. Poor Jen got so sick. But anyway, so that was, like, my best. Very close second, oh, and the only reason that, that that one, like, beats it is not really the experience, it's the fact that it's, like, the very first one, so it's, like, that first rush, but mm-hmm. the other two Madonna shows that I've been to, the, um, the first, so I got to see Madonna show twice in a row, it was, uh, the day after the other, so the first time we went, me and a group of friends decided that we were gonna go, um, I, for my friend Troy had just graduated from high school, so I'm like, I'm, he, he's one of my little my little gaybies, uh, you know, I, <laughs> and his fairy gay mother. And, did you uh, uh, did you tell him about the dangers of partying and sucking uh, too much so, dick? So so yeah, that that <laughs> he's one of those. I, like I'm 100 serious. So Adam posted this um, pic, uh, meme on my Facebook yesterday, about, and it's Ursula and Ariel. And it's like when you're 22 and you meet that old queen who has to tell you about the dangers of um, you know partying and sucking too much dick. Like literally. <laughs> <that was me. laughs> <laughs> to all of my gays of Southern Maryland. Like, that's what I do. 
<laughs> but anyway, um, so you know, so I decided I'm like, okay, true, I'm taking you to this Madonna show, um, and you know, we had fairly good seats. They weren't like you know front row or anything, but the, the show was fine. But I had to leave early because we parked in like this parking lot that you know it all closed at a certain time, and of course Madonna didn't start until like 9:30. So you know, I had anyway. So I had to leave early. So literally the next day, I had a sub job. I was still a substitute teacher, and I was dead. I was just like, oh my god, this is awful. I feel like ass. I got home, changed into my pajamas, so it was like 5.30, and I crawl into bed, and my friend Donald, who was a huge Madonna fan as well, um, he was in the Golden Triangle the night before and met Guy O'Siri, who's Madonna's manager, and so he had tweeted, Guy O'Siri, just being like, hey, you know, I had so much fun at the show last night, it was awesome meeting you. Guy O'Siri private messaged him back, remembering him, and said, well, do you want tickets again to be in the Golden Triangle tonight? So to wow. pay me back for driving and having to miss the show, Donald was like, uh, Quentin, can you be, you know, at the metro stop and can you, you want to meet me in D.C.? And I was like, fuck yes, I'm putting pants on right now. <laughs> and I went downstairs and I told my mom, I was like, Mom, you need to drive me to the metro stop and, you know, Donald will bring me home. But, you know, we have free Madonna tickets and the Golden Triangle. So at the time, there was like this triangle that was inside of the stage. Mm-hmm. So that so we got there so early because you know we're so crazy. Um, we had like first choice of where to stand, so we were literally standing right on one of the catwalks. Nice. It was incredible. I could literally see the makeup line down Madonna's chin. <laughs> so with me standing and the stage came about to like just above my waist, my, I my head was still at Madonna's waist. That's how little she is. <laughs> Um, and that's her without any of her heels on. That's because at one point yeah. she came out barefoot. Um, that was also amazing. You can Google um, Revolver DC from the um, whatever the name of that tour was. And mm-hmm. during the when she walks down the stairs at the beginning of the song, you can see my fat gay ass being like. <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happened that my friend Melanie, who I mentioned before, was also at that show, and she was literally facing me from the audience. And I remember her looking down, and I text her being like, I can see you. And she texts me, she's like, oh, my fucking God! <laughs> and I'm like, I know, this is so crazy! So, like, every once in a while, like, I'd wave at her in the stands. But anyway, so, like, those two are, like, pretty close as to being, like, which one was, like, the best. Um, and the worst was, uh, and it's, I still love her, but Britney Spears. Oh, really? Uh, so I went to the Blackout tour, and um, that tour is uh, like just known for being. She lip synced every song. She was like drunk a lot of the time, so like she would just say random shit. Like during our show, she um, like the light the lights went out after the the show was over. She's like, "Merry Christmas, everybody!" And it's like, "Girl, it's March." <laughs> Um, during, during one of the songs at, an, at another stop on that tour not the DC tour but there's one point where she's dropped from the stage or dropped from the ceiling onto the stage and um, apparently the harness like hit something and she would be like I'm a pussy y'all <laughs> so I mean like she she was like drunk during that tour but uh so she lip synced every song except for one and the one that she did sing live was one of her slow jams and it was terrible <laughs> um, for those um, I can't remember I think it's called Every Time but it's the song where in the video she's with Steven Dorff and she's in the tub and hits her head 
Uh, anyway, it's a ter- it's not that gr- good of a song. But I like she lip sync and like the reason that she says that she lip syncs is so that way she can dance. However, bitch was marking her moves. <laughs> and it's just like, girl, if, if you're gonna lip sync, I'll I'll support you. I support you, Brittany. I obviously bought a ticket to be at this concert. Um, but um that hit all your dance moves like super hard. But she didn't. It and the Pussycat dolls who opened for her were amazing. The Pussycat dolls were amazing, but she was very lackluster. But the thing that like really makes us the worst concert experience, aside from all of that, is about three fourths through Britney's um, Britney's set. Our friend, my dear friends Logan and Sean, who I've talked about numerous times on here, um, got a little drunk, and what? Uh, yeah, and um, Sean decided that it was best for them to just leave but not text us to say that they were leaving because he was in such a panic that they needed to go because they were so drunk um, that he did not text me or Melanie to let us know. So by the time the show was, because they were just like, we, you know, we need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, all right, that's fine, whatever. So when the show was over, I'm like texting and not getting a response back. I'm like, where the fuck are they? Where the fuck are they? So we're like standing outside waiting for them because I'm assuming that, you know, they're just like pulling around the car or whatever. Um, Sean literally, or, or uh, you know, we're either like somewhere in the bathroom or whatever, because we were, we had metroed in. So I was like, no, no, we're we're already at the car at the other metro stop, and we're on our way home. And I was like, bitch, what? I will fucking kill you. Like, what are you talking about? So like, yeah, we, me and my friend Melanie got stranded. So we had to call her husband. So we took the metro back to her house. But we had to call her husband to come pick us up from the metro. He was not happy being woken up at you know eleven thirty. Sure. But uh, but yeah, that, that's why that was. There were many reasons to go into that. Why that one was the worst. I will I will say the the weirdest concert I ever went to was. Um, uh, Cake played the Nightmare Before Xmas show a couple years back, and Eddie's a huge, huge fan of them, and I'm not like, big into them, but they're a decent band. Uh, but what went so weird was bef- before they came on stage, uh, they were they started playing this weird, like, it almost like seemed like it should be like in an 80s Dungeons and Dragons movie, like, kind of music. Mm-hmm. And it played for 15 minutes, and I was like, are they gonna bring out the one fucking ring or something? Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> They came on stage, they sang like two songs, and they literally, at that point in time, spent literally a half hour giving a, giving someone a cherry tree. Like a little cherry tree they had to go home and plant and take pictures of and like all this weird shit. And then they played two more songs and like the set was over. They did That's that weird. when they played at the Salt Lake Library before the Arts Festival. They did the exact same thing. Yeah, just the weirdest. I mean, they yeah. sounded really good, but it was this day the weirdest fucking concert experience I've ever had. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that tangent aside... um, Sure. So do you want to get into thoughts, reviews? I mean, actually start talking about the book, because I realize we didn't really dive into that. Um, Uh, You asked us so many questions to answer each. I apologize. I I was curious more than anything else. I want to know what people's thoughts are. Like, I mean, you're friends of mine. I'm curious. Yeah, but you're a big music guy. That makes sense. Well, then why don't we do this? Adam, why don't you give us your reviews and your thoughts now, if we have to lose uh, you a little bit as I said earlier, you know, I, I got the first issue. Actually, I downloaded the first issue about a month ago before we even decided we were going to read this because mm-hmm. uh, it was because free, yeah, uh, I think Brian recommended this a while ago before yeah before that. Yeah. So I remember we were talking about it previously. It seemed like a really cool premise, so I was like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had it on my iPad for like a month, and I was like, cool, I'll read it. Uh, I read it 
the first trade in an hour and immediately went out and bought the next three on Comixology. Um, and now I'm really <laughs> bummed that I have to wait two more weeks before the next issue comes out uh, up at Dr. Volt's. Uh, <clears throat> no, I have, <clears throat> I have not done that with a graphic novel since Lock and Key. That was the one I, you know, I mm-hmm. keep on reading and see what happened. And this book is might quite possibly be my favorite graphic novel of all time. I, I love it. It's the artwork's amazing. Although in the second trade they do have some new uh, artists and it looks kind of weird. Um, but the storyline's really engaging. It's interesting, uh, and I'm a huge uh, mytho- mythology fan. So the idea of the gods, you know, coming to Earth and taking human form and this and that um, is really intriguing and interesting to me. Uh, it's really cool to see how um, Ananke, how do you say her name? Ananke? Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, seeing the role she plays and just kind of the twists and turns the plot take, especially in the later books. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. It's one of the best things I've ever read. And I, I can't wait to read more. So this I will give I could give this one. I, I couldn't give it a perfect 10. If I was going to grade, I'd give like a 9.5 because some of the later art just doesn't kind of... Uh, appeal to me mm-hmm. but it's absolutely fantastic i loved every second of it and i'm excited to see more yeah uh well fantastic uh you kind of gave your review before do you have anything more you want to um, kind of put on that i, I mean I, i'm another person who's like all about like mythology like i'm actually surprised myself for doing a wikipedia search now of all the gods who are in this and finding out who they are and you know all that kind of stuff um I, I just found it super interesting. So this book has been recommended to me for a very long time by um, some of my other um, nerdy friends, and they've just been like, Q, you have to start reading this book. Mm-hmm. Have to start reading this book. And I was like, okay, listen, when I get time or whatever. So like even before we started this podcast, um, my mm-hmm. friends have been recommending this book to me, and they're so excited now that uh, I've read it. Um I think the characters are super interesting. Um, also, the art. So, just speaking of the art, um, I was a huge um, Young Avengers fan, which is something mm-hmm. that uh, McKelvey has uh, done before. Um, mm-hmm. So, I already mm-hmm. knew that I was going to love the art. Um, I love the design of all of the characters. I love the like really hip, trendy fashion stuff that they do. Because mm-hmm. um, another one of my favorite artists, Kevin Wada, who um, I found out does future issues of, of this book because uh, if you don't know who Kevin Wada is in fact I'm just going to go ahead and put my recommendation in here now go look him up he does <laughs> so he does watercolor um, art and most of his stuff is uh, uh, like high fashion characters so it's like you get the semblance of who the characters are but it's all like high fashion and modern um, his biggest thing which got me introduced into him are uh, the ex-women in high fashion which is just Amazing. So seriously, my birthday is in April. If anyone <laughs> wants to sort of all pitch in together and either get me share tickets or a Kevin Wada print of the X Women uh, high fashion um, stuff, amazing. Um, so I know I was gonna like like a lot of that stuff. Uh, just the story is really intriguing. I feel like they explain enough about the story, um, or kind of about what's going on that that you that you follow along, but they don't tell you enough that you are so interested in what else is going on. Um, there's still like a lot of mystery. There's still a lot of um, like what's going on. Who are these people? Uh, you know, what are the exact rules of like these gods and what they can and can't do. Um, 
why aren't like some people believing them because you know in our very skeptical time it's very hard for any of us to believe in true magic or true um things when you know you can just google shit or you know there's cgi that people think that they're using in their shows or you know <clears throat> i mean even you can go see like you know Disney live shows where it's just like, how the fuck do they do that? You're just like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Um, I mean, the Cinderella costume change alone and that and the the latest revival, I'm like, I don't know how those things even work. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, was, uh, I mean, there, there's like real live magic that happens that I don't know, but you know, and so for them to like have like real magic and real powers people are still skeptical of them because of all of the cool stuff that people can do with technology or whatever so anyway um i really like this book um if i had any time because i you know am super crazy and doing like a whole bunch of theater stuff right now i would have already read all of these things just like i've done saga um but yeah this is by far like the awesomest book awesomest is not a word um but this is probably like the the greatest book that we've read since Saga. Um, yeah, new to me, I will say, because you know, we've also read some stuff that um, I already liked previous to this. But it is awesome. Go get the trades; you will enjoy it. I'm done. Cool. Uh, Todd, do you want to throw in your two cents? So, yes, I do. I thought Q would have brought up like among the opening sequences, you see this first show of Laura going to it. And to me, it seems like an updated version of the Dazzler as much. I was as wondering if that would come up. I completely agree with you on well, that. Well, she's she's like the sun god, the uh, Amister, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. She's, the, she, she's the Japanese sun god, so obviously there's a lot of that going on. But yeah, I, that I obviously got that vibe too. Yeah. yeah. So I got it, and it's beautiful and whimsical. I think it captures. I mean, Brian wants to talk about your amazing adventures or memories of first concerts and leaving a mark and. This really seems to capture that yeah. remarkably well. And the art, along with the story, really works in harmony with each other. What's interesting watching this, we all really um, latched on to this Lucifer character of what Lucifer was up to. But you don't really see Lucifer the performer going on so much. You hear yeah. about these gods of these performers, but Lucifer's backstage, kind of in a support role, doing... Lucy's thing, and then she comes up when things going messy, but not so much wanting it seems to be as center stage as these other gods characters wants to be. And then you've got a Rachel Maddow type character who's going, oh, you guys are all full of shit, and they're like, no, we're not, until they convince her otherwise. But you watch it with the costumes, and even, I talked about the eyeshadow or the eye makeup, I mean, there's callbacks to Blade Runner and the Daryl Hannah character from Blade Runner in it. You've got the falling of into hell, it seems, when the vessel becomes Lucifer that first time when Ananke bestows it. And there was even a moment in there watching when the Morgan and the... Uh, there's a lot of headless bodies and, I guess, bodiless heads floating around here. The head is just thrown across the room. And as anything, though, that reminds me of Preacher, when you had the being first come into contact with Jesse Custer. It was yeah. For me, it was kind of a callback to Preacher. And, yeah. And recently we heard the news that Steve Dillon has passed, and mm-hmm. sorry, Steve, and people who knew him. So in that regard but I thoroughly enjoyed it I mean and these characters a lot of them are playing on like modern pop stars you have a Kanye West type character 
that has this whole painting of him, and people say, aren't you supposed to be humble? And his response was, you know who I am. This is me being humble. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? This is me being humble. I am just this amazing guy. Yeah, and, and there's some, and later later books, not in this one, but there are some, uh, some more obvious mm-hmm. uh, connections to uh, different pop stars. There's a very obvious connection to Prince. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. in the next trade. Um, who shows up. When I first read it, I kind of, Lucy, I almost sort of associated a little bit with um, uh, uh, David Bowie, just a... I was saying, yeah, Bowie. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some connections here and there that I think are, are pretty pretty much on the nose there, but yeah, sorry. Sure, no problem. Me. And, um, I mean, the Daft Punk guy, pretty much, oh, yeah. that helmet yeah. just shows up like, oh, that's Daft Punk. And I don't see how it could be anything else but Daft Punk in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes back to it. What really does so well with this is the art and the story and the writing just seem to sing together so well. And it's just so appropriate as they balance each other out. And there's a lot of art I like and there's a lot of story I like and a lot of art and story I don't like. But this one is really just the great balance as it's going back forth because there's some ghastly things going on and terrible things at the same time the um, terrible and ghastly and amazing is still beautiful regardless of what it is and see this maybe um, made me really really excited for the, the upcoming star series American Gods because mm-hmm. even though it's a different type of story it's the same thing that you know the gods exist and here's what happened to them um, and it, it really strongly reminded me of Neil Gaiman and his writing style and how he presented mm-hmm. his ideas um, but yeah, I, like you all have said, it's this book. It's everything just meshes together so well and so perfectly. Uh, you know, I haven't been this sucked in by, like I said, like by a comic book since Lock and mm-hmm. Key. So uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. See, and it really wants me to like, oh, I should read more backstory about these characters. So because I imagine it would help this story be even more enriching than well, what it already the, is. And that's one great. of the comics that just came out was like. A, the Wicked and the Divine, I think it's like 1831, mm-hmm. so it's or whatever 90 years ago was. So it's showing, or 1890, so it's showing, um, or maybe it's 1920, I, I, I look it up. It's basically the last time those gods were here. And I, it's like a one shot mm-hmm. that I haven't, I, I picked up yesterday, but I haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I, I'm also interested in knowing, you know, when the series ends, what happens to see these characters like throughout the millennia because they mentioned, you know, later on, they, this has been happening since the dawn of time pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be cool to see how they're represented like in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, uh, back maybe in colonial times or Roman times, because what we talked about is that, oh, well, they're pop stars because that's what this generation worships. What was it like back then? You know, were they just athletes or were they um, were they the founding fathers? You know, we, there's so many cool things they could do that would make it really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you also look at it like, you know, maybe they were... They were declared witches very early on and basically scared off, and that's what was part of like uh, the uh, um, the dark uh, the dark ages or something like that. You know, I mean, there's there's some interesting things you could look at over a long course of time to explain it. Um, I, I I have agreed with everything you guys have said. I think it says a lot that uh, a curmudgeonly group like us can actually appreciate a book like that. Yeah, what? Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, like, if, if anything else. You take that as a major compliment because we never agree on anything unless it's really fantastic, and I think this book definitely falls into that category. I think the last one we all agreed on was Saga. I think so. I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so I mean, it, it takes something extra special for us to all like completely agree with and jump on board with. And so, um, if you haven't read it already, um, I, I definitely highly recommend it. The one thing I do think is very interesting about this book because I've I've now read it twice, relatively close together. I've gotten slightly different things out of it the two different times I've read it. And I, granted, I'm reading it for different purposes. First time I just read it for enjoyment. Second time I was kind of reading it to prepare for the show. Um, but one of the things I think is is interesting is, is it harkens back to a, a quote. Uh, of uh, it basically says uh, uh, dancing or see writing about music is like dancing about architecture, which basically is implying that uh, you know it's nearly impossible to convey the experience of one to the other. And I think it's interesting. Like this is some of the best writing about music I think I've I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 he has another. Uh, uh, they have another book. The uh, the, the uh, Kieran and uh, Jamie have both done uh, Phonogram as well, which I started reading the other day. And the, the interesting thing about this book is the fact that it's it starts out being called uh, the Faust Act, and the mm-hmm. first line in Phonogram actually mentions Faustian behavior. So there's this connection between Faust and and the and this work and um, and Phonogram that I think is very interesting, and I'd like to ask him about. Um, because there is something about, you know, uh, sacrificing things to get, you know, godlike powers and impurity and things like that. But I, I do, I do love this book. I'm, I'm happy everyone else loved this. And this is one of those books that I, I immediately think to recommend to people who I know who love music. But it's also one of those books I think most people could really kind of get into. You know what I mean? I think I, I was telling someone recently, um, you know, the mistake that a lot of people make when they're getting into comics or when people recommending comics is like. They, people like love to recommend like oh you want to get into comics you know you should read Watchmen that's like sitting there saying oh you just learned to read you should read uh, you know War and Peace you know absolutely. what I mean absolutely like, like I, I never recommend Watchmen until someone has like read some other comic books yeah because also and, and, Watchmen especially not mm-hmm. to sort of jump in on top yeah. of your your point but Watchmen also has so many typical comic book tropes that it either shifts or moves so if you don't understand how comic books work to begin with yeah. I feel like it does doesn't make sense. Nope, completely. And like, I feel like this, like, I feel like the, the, the same way about this as I do about Saga. Like, it is a great introduction for people who haven't necessarily read comics before, but the danger of it is also it is so good that if you expect all comics to reach this level, you're innate, you're going to be disappointed a fair amount, you know, because I think this is this is definitely on the uh, on the higher end. I, I think, assuming they don't totally mess it all up, I think this will go down as one of those series that people are like, oh man, fucking Wicked and the Divine, like that book was amazing kind of thing. Same way people talk about Why the Last Man or, um, you know, some of the other books we've covered, um, uh, The Killing Joke and things like that. I think this actually has a, a very right future as far as it being remembered um, and it's still going which is the lovely mm-hmm. thing and you still get to see what happen- ends up happening with that then Adam why don't you give us your recommendation so you can bounce if you have to um, so the I mean, my main recommendation is just go buy all these comics yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually I do have to bounce uh, someone has got here but uh, I just started watching Westworld which is the new uh, the HBO series I'm only halfway through the first episode but it is fantastic I'm loving it uh, and I'm like, really excited to see where it goes. So if you haven't started yet, uh, HBO now is like, you get your first one for free, and you could probably binge watch the first, by the time this comes out, probably the whole, almost the whole season. So mm-hmm. um, so I'll go next just because, why not? Mm-hmm. I never I never go in the middle of the patch. Um, recently on, uh, on Netflix, it, it came out on the 13th of uh, October, but I personally just watched it recently. Um, uh, uh, Christopher Guest, who's done uh, Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show and A Mighty Wind, he put out a, a little film on uh, Netflix uh, called Mascots, which I liked a lot. Um, Corky St. Cloud, or Claire, from uh, Waiting for Guffman, 
um, biggest character from, he makes a small appearance in it. I was kind of hoping for more out of that, but otherwise I really liked it. I thought it was funny. But it's basically a bunch. It's it's a it's a standard sort of um, you know that type of movie. If you haven't seen that kind of stuff, it's it, it's a faux documentary. But basically, what they do is they write a rough plot and then they they let the actors kind of improv and and come up with the funny moments themselves. And it's a it's about a mascot competition and these people who obviously take it way too seriously. And it's a, it's got some heartfelt moments in it. It's got some fun. It's got some really funny stuff. Um, it does drag in parts. I will admit that. But overall, I found myself laughing out loud. A fair amount of times so i really enjoyed it and um you know it's if you already have netflix it's already sitting there and worth checking out so that would be my recommendation uh q do you have any recommendations so i already talked about kevin wada just mm-hmm. awesome you know go go do that um so c- kind of the tie into adam talking about westworld um tangently some of our friends are involved in that show so oh, really? uh definitely go check mm-hmm. it out um and also, uh, with that, as well, so the show stars Evan Rachel Wood, who is in a band oh, with okay. um, yeah. friends, um, th- yeah, with Zach and a- Amy. And Amy, um, I don't know if she's like working on the show, but she certainly posts a lot of Instagram pictures of her like tagging Westworld. So I don't know if she's like an extra, if she's like working as an extra, or if she's working as some kind of like assistant to Evan, or wh- I don't know. I- I don't know. I hope what uh, Amy does a lot of cool things. So I hope whatever it is that she's doing is awesome. I mean, literally, she could just be like, "I'm promoting the show because you know it involves people that I know." Yeah. Um, awesome. But uh, also, Rebel in the Basket Case, which is the band that uh, Zach and Evan Rachel Wood are members of, they just released a new uh, video, which is also freaking awesome. A new EP, which is also freaking awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, I have a couple of recommendations. So go do all of those things that I just talked about. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I don't know if you got it, but I got a, a request to go be in one of their music videos a couple days ago. I couldn't make it. Oh. It's fun. I think they have another music video coming out in the near future as well because they were um, looking for extras. I, I mean, I know that Amy posted something on Facebook about it, but I'm like, I don't live, yeah. in, live in California. So. Well, and that was one of those things where I think they, they sent, like, they sort of did a, a general of people that they knew, and then it was uh, people that they actually knew. They were like, hey, come on out and do this. So I think I, I mean, got obviously that I didn't because I'm on the East Coast, so. Yeah. So. Amy does know her geography, at least mm-hmm. that. Uh, so, Todd, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, I have two. Um, one I recently rewatched. One of my favorite movie directors is Ridley Scott, but Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, is phenomenal. You really should watch it. Ignore the theatrical. It's great. Okay. And also, um, I've got one other, too, because why not? As I was reading up here, as I'm seeing here coming out in February of next year, it's a book called Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. And oh, he's re redoing it with his <laughs> prose and story arcs and he's revisiting the Norse mythology and presenting it in the way he does best hmm. and I'm adding that to my wish list right now okay well, oh yeah that's right my two recommendations birthday. yeah it's right around then um, Q before we go I will let you know I found a book that if we were to ever do on the show you would hate me more than you've hated me for anything <laughs> that we've ever read um because I, I got it with because I have the comics bento box. The, the next one is on its way, so on the next episode I'll probably be able to tell you um, what was in the October ben, bento box. But as we discussed previously, uh, there was a comic bento box that was all TV themed, and how mm-hmm. this book was TV themed I don't really know. Uh, but it was a um, it was a book of uh, uh, it was a comic book of uh, garbage pail kids, mm-hmm. and I couldn't make it through that shit. Like I, <laughs> I kind of sat down, I read like one of them, like this isn't even interesting it just kind of goes for gross i guess if you're really into the garbage pail kids like i never really got into them that much 
Like it was sort of like a, a secret thing where like I had friends who would let me look at them, you know, like look at their cards or the, the stickers and be like, oh, that's naughty. But like it was never really my thing. So maybe mm-hmm. if you were into it in the '80s, maybe that was more of a thing. But like I just I couldn't I couldn't get through it. It was it was awful. And I I, I thought about it after the fact. I'm like if we were to do this on the show, Q would castrate me. Yeah, like, absolutely. You would so <laughs> I, would, I would all of a sudden get really sick and when people yeah. took the show. Yeah, you'd be so ill you may never be on the show again. Um, so <laughs> anyway, well, cool. Does anybody else have any final things? I mean, I'm just gonna say again. Um, so my friends who originally um, talked about this to me. One of them is um, a pagan and he uh-huh. is very much into like all kinds of like crazy religious stuff about, you know, he researches all kinds of other different things and he's the one who recommended this to me and I honestly have never been steered wrong by him. This mm-hmm. is such a good book. Please everybody, go go, go. Get it. Get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read it, enjoy it, love it. Um I, I really don't think that there'll be anybody who'll be disappointed by this book. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that will do it for us. Um, you, you know, a rare time where we're all 100% in agreement. So uh, yeah, take for that for what it's worth. It's a uh, pretty universal. I mean, that's 100% Rotten Tomatoes right there, kids. Um, <laughs> what so, are we uh, reading next week, Brian? Ah, thank you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> next week. Okay, Q, you're going to have to help me with this. Um, uh, hold on, I, mean, hold on. I, I, I need to look it up so that way. I, <laughs> okay, so no, I got I, in front of me. Hold on. Okay, I, 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 I we are reading. Bo 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 is what we are reading next <laughs> week. We also have. Um, I'm doing the interview on Tuesday coming up. We also have a guest uh, bartender uh, for this who actually. I, I will say this. Okay, so this is a book about a guy with nose hair, fist of fury. Um, it is a, it is a, like everything about this book. Well, I mean, as you probably heard in the show, Q was talking about um, one of the people he worked with recommended this book, and he started describing it, and I was like, we have to fucking read this book. Like I'm just too. Like I ordered it on Amazon while we were recording the show. I'm like, I have to read this. Uh, I haven't read it yet, so we'll get my final reaction yeah, next week. Me either. I'm very excited. It is so crazy. Amazing. I've read the it. Crazy? Oh man, it's crazy. Oh, is it crazy? Okay, so <laughs> so, 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 you, so Todd, t- tell us, tell us, give us. A yeah, little, so Todd, a you've actually read it. So give us a little bit. preview of what we have in store for us. Take um, Dragon Ball Z, Power Rangers, and Ed, Ed, and Eddie all taking a lot of math. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is just nuts. It's the the weird Japanese way that they are just so weird embraces all of it, and it's 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 crazy. I mean, the characters are crazy, the designs are crazy. Just the general the the story and the premise on the book is so screwball, and you're like, where does it go from here? It starts at such a level, and it just keeps moving forth, and it's episodic and just nutballs and okay i think i know what doing lsd is like now just by reading nice. this story so I'll, I'll read the back of this book just so that people kind of have an idea of what it is it's a it's the year 300x a, cru- uh, a cruel dictator has demand or has mandated the hunting of all hair in the marhung empire but a single man rises to the occasion and takes a stand against the violence of human hair rights. Bo Bobobo, master of the fists of nose hair, uses his prehensile hairs from his schnoz uh, to lethal ends. Follow the nonsensical adventures of Bo Bobobo and the sentient sidekick Snacks uh, as 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 the sentient sidekicks Snacks as they lead uh, the hilarious rebellion against the empire. 
Uh, Star Wars with nose hair, kids. Um, as, uh, uh, <laughs> with the hair of Shaft. Yes. But what I will say, as I'm super excited about, is I, I did take, you know, uh, this this story to a, a, a great little bar called Casa in Costa Mesa. And the bartender, the head bartender there, I was describing a couple of the books we have coming up, seeing if he wanted to do a guest bartender spot. And this is the book he jumped at. He's like, I have to do this. So I'm really excited to hear what he comes <laughs> up with. Uh, I'm sure that'll be very entertaining. That being said, I would also like to thank uh, our bartender from this week. Um, and that being said, yes, please, uh, by all means, join us next week for the insanity that I'm sure will be Bo, 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 Bo. I, there's too many bows in there. Bo, there's bo, so many bo. bows. Do some wackity sacks there. Anyway. Yes. Thank you much, y'all. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.